This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. Chicago may soon have its next top cop. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. After a months-long selection process and weeks of deliberation, Mayor Brandon Johnson announced his choice to lead the Chicago Police Department. The pick? Counterterrorism Chief Larry Snelling, who has served on the force for 29 years. Snelling still needs to be approved by city council, and then he'll participate in a public hearing where community members will have a chance to ask questions. To find out more about Snelling and the challenges that a new superintendent will face, we spoke to Chip Mitchell, criminal justice reporter for WBEZ. And Chip explained that this choice was hardly a surprise. It was clear that Mayor Johnson was focused on winning over rank-and-file cops when he brought Fred Waller out of retirement to serve as interim superintendent this summer, leading up to this permanent selection today. Waller's uh, self-described old guard cop, and he promised he'd have the back of rank-and-file officers. So since July 13th, when the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability announced the three finalists for this job, Snelling, Larry Snelling, has been viewed as the favorite. Uh, we heard it. We heard about it that first night from the head of the main union for Chicago cops, John, John Catanzaro, really couldn't hide his his, his uh, excitement about mm-hmm. that Larry Snelling was one of the finalists. Now, part of what makes Snelling appealing, Sasha, is that he's a known quantity in the department, and that's largely from spending about a decade as a trainer in the police academy. So thousands of cops who were hired during those years got to know him, and, and they saw him as a tough love kind of leader, and yeah. he appeals to them. Yeah, and he was among the other finalists, Angel Navales, who's a 50-year-old head of CPD's Office of Constitutional Policing and Reform, as well as uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Police Chief Sean Barnes. So from what you're saying, especially talking, Chip, about the fact that uh, Snelling was a favorite, it sounds like this was the safe choice then for Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Novales, uh, he's a veteran leader in the department as well, but his most recent experience is heading the department's reform efforts And that, uh, Sasha, is not a way to win over any popularity contest among rank and filers in in the department, at least. Um, The third finalist was Madison, Wisconsin, Police Chief Sean Barnes, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. He was viewed with some distrust um, as a CPD outsider and also, Sasha, as a former official of an agency that investigates Chicago police misconduct. Yeah. Well, this is being described as one of the most important decisions of Mayor Johnson's tenure. How would you say this choice differs from Lightfoot's pick of David Brown? Well, it's much different. Uh, Brown came from being police chief in Dallas, his hometown. Um, he served three years as CPD's leaders. It was rocky from the start, um, a spike in violent crime during the pandemic and after uh, George Floyd's murder by Minneapolis police. There's all that civil unrest, a few bouts of looting, 
um, low officer morale during that period. And one, one of the low, uh, low, some of the worst, <laughs> lowest officer morale um, yeah. since I've been in Chicago. Um, and David Brown never really won over rank and file cops. There were always questions about his competence as a leader and his understanding of Chicago. And from some community leaders as well, um, voiced doubts about David Brown, um, doubts that he was really committed to reforming the department. So what positions has Snelling held over his last, what, 30-year career with the department? Yeah. Well, he was hired in 1992. He spent much of his early career, Sasha, in the department's Englewood Patrol District. Starting in 2003, he spent about a decade as a trainer in the police academy, as I mentioned. Later, he was commander of the Englewood District during the pandemic, during all this unrest. Um, so that's a trial by fire. And most recently, he's been chief of the department's counterterrorism bureau that has a wide portfolio, every, you know, everything from counterterrorism to uh, narcotics and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Well, he started out his career in Englewood, right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you think his experiences there will have an impact on, on how he views crime on the south side? Well, Ingl- yeah, yeah, that's one of the department's uh, busiest patrol districts. It uh, has been for many years. Snelling himself is a Southsider. Um, he was commander there, um, as I mentioned, during all, all of the unrest after George Floyd's murder. Um, and by most accounts, Sasha, he was a calming presence, and he built a lot of credibility, not only with police officers, but with community members. So um, the, the, the consensus that people who, uh, uh, is that things could have been much different in Englewood without Larry Snelling as commander of that patrol district. Yeah. Well, you know, he's worked with a lot of incoming officers in training, too. So does that give Snelling a, a leadership advantage here? Well, it, it sure does. You know, he, he spent the better part of a decade, as I mentioned, uh, in the in the training academy, teaching about use of force, about fitness. And he he's viewed as tough, but also fair. And he's highly respected. Yesterday's when we got this news Sunday afternoon. I mean, what, what did Mayor Johnson say about this appointment? Well, this press conference, I'm at City Hall right now. I'm uh, here for a press conference where he's going to introduce Larry Snelling. So we'll hear more from Johnson. But he did issue a lengthy news release yesterday, and he called Snelling a proven leader who has the experience and the respect of his peers to help ensure the safety and well-being of city residents. Now, Snelling does uh, have a lot of community support, but I think um, it's his appointment by Mayor Johnson is another sign that the mayor really wants to ring, uh, win over rank and file cops. So um, I, I don't think it's going to, too far to, to say that, you know, after a, a long mayoral campaign in which Mayor Johnson was heavily uh, focusing a lot on police reforms, change that's needed in the department. This is yet uh, another olive branch um, that that uh, is is I think largely intended to win over rank and file officers. Um, keep them active, get them out of their cars, um, keep from having any sort of incident like what we saw after uh, Bill de Blasio's election as mayor in, in, in uh, New York City, where yeah. you have hundreds of officers turning their back on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how likely is Snelling to be confirmed by the city council, you think? Well, it's looking very lightly, uh, likely. Uh, he's getting support from uh, all the persons from diverse uh, backgrounds. Um, also, Sasha, people from some people from outside the council um, who've, who are, you know, made their name really for pu- pushing reforms on the police department, including State Attorney General Kwame Raoul last night issued a lengthy statement in support of Larry Snelling. Uh, so, uh, you know, some news coverage around this, this appointment. 
it's it's suggested that you know officer morale is at an all time low. You've sort of hinted at that as well, Chip. I mean, how can Snelling and and Johnson really work together to address that? Because I, I can imagine that that's that's a top priority. Well, I'm glad you asked that, Sasha, because morale among rank and file cops is always an issue, um, and it's been lately characterized as at an all time low, rock bottom, worse than ever. But Mm-hmm. Um, really, um, it's really tough to measure police morale. You know, there's there's not a meter or there's not a, a monthly survey that goes out, you know, by by sociologists. Um, so I, I would say, actually, that these characterizations of uh, morale being at rock bottom, especially after th- uh, a few months of having Fred Waller as the interim superintendent, they're really questionable. Um, you know, just considering even recent crises for the police department, like a police legitimacy crisis, you know, perceptions of police legitimacy after Laquan McDonald's murder and that video came out, I, you know, that yeah. seems like a long time ago now, but it was actually just a few years ago. Then, of course, as we've mentioned, all the civil unrest that and the protests largely focused on police that followed George Floyd's murder by uh, by Minneapolis police. And then and then there's there are killings by of Chicago police officers themselves, you know, all, most most notably um, recently, Officer Ella French's murder. You know, it's hard yeah. to say that the mood among Chicago officers could possibly be any worse than after Ella French's uh, murder during a traffic stop. So this language about morale, rock bottom, worse than ever, I, I think it actually flows from actors on the political scene, who, including the, the police union, that are trying to, frankly, in, influence politics. You know, and it came up a lot during the mayor election. And it came up a lot during the superintendent's election about rock bottom morale. So um, it is important to address morale. It's always an issue. Uh, Mayor Johnson needs to have cops actively involved with, with their job for sure. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. we got to talk about reform while I have you, Chip. CPD still under a federal consent decree. Where does that stand today? And what do you think Snelling might be expected to prioritize with regards to the consent decree in, in maybe his first year as superintendent? Well, the, the city's way behind in its police reform commitments. Um, the consent decree, uh, of course, it, it's this police voluminous police reform agreement that's overseen and enforced by a federal judge. And, and that, that actually uh, was one of the results of the Laquan McDonald crisis that we were talking about earlier. Um, the judge recently extended uh, the time that CPD has to comply with the consent decree at least 2027. So that's that's still years from now. But there's something like, if I if I recall, like more than 500 enforceable paragraphs. And 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 uh, I think CPD has only um, operationalized um, the changes in something like only 10 percent of those. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, now, based on progress reports filed in federal reports, the, uh, two of the most. This is largely my reporting of our colleague Patrick Smith. Two of the most um, important things Snelling can do to speed up reform is hire more people for consent decree compliance inside the department. And then secondly, Sasha, promote more supervisors. So under the consent decree, CPD is supposed to have a 10 to 1 officer to supervisor ratio. That's rather supervisor to officer ratio. Right. Now, part of the idea is, of course, to make sure that the changes in this consent decree are carried out on the street, that it's not just checking off boxes or, or, or verbiage, empty, hollow verbiage, uh, verbiage. Now, CPD is failing to meet that standard, and experts say it's really bogging down the whole reform effort. Well, we'll let you get to that uh, press conference. Chip Mitchell is a criminal justice reporter for WBEZ. Thank you so much for checking in. My pleasure, Sasha.
Let's pull another voice into the conversation. Craig Futterman is the founder and director of the Civil Rights and Police Accountability Project of the Mandel Legal Aid Clinic at the University of Chicago. Hi, Professor. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha. Thank you so much for having me back. I want to get your reaction, first of all, to Mayor Johnson tapping Larry Snelling for CPD superintendent. Well, as Chip said, not at all, not at all surprising. Um, his greatest challenge, and let's just start with that, is, is he's got to change police culture. I mean, this is a culture that's pitted police against community, protected racist and abusive policing, and denied the reality of experience of police abuse of black and brown people in Chicago. That police in Chicago have to learn and understanding that it's not police against community, it's police in service of community. And as, as Chip said in response to your questions, it means making the civil rights consent decree in Chicago the urgent priority it is that we can't forget that police culture is the reason why we're under this decree, mm-hmm. why we've been so ineffective at solving violent crime and prioritizing everyone's safety, keeping everyone safe. Yeah. Well, you know, to that end, what benefits do you see then with the fact that they hired someone who has CPD experience and, and is an insider, if you will? Yeah, it, it's it, it's both a it, it, it's it's both it, it enhances his credibility within the department, as Chip said, and it also is a challenge in that. Um, Snelling, having come up and through the rank and fire file, um, is a part of this culture that needs to change. And so his, his first priority, if we, you know, when it comes to how do we address violence in Chicago is you got to get your own house in order. And the first step is actually addressing that pattern and practice of civil rights violations. And that also means, so, and as an insider, and he can have the credibility here, if you're serious about changing culture, you've got to get rid of the officers who have no business with that badge and gun, mm-hmm. those who have used those powers to hurt people. If you don't understand that being a cop in Chicago with all the powers means you've got to be accountable to the people, if you can't embrace that, you're subject to public scrutiny, no business with a, bas- with a badge and a gun. And that's the best way to change culture. Fire the officers who continue to resist um, honesty and accountability as a community, and then use this experience also as a trainer to hire and train officers who get it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chip mentioned a moment ago one of the most important things that Snelling can do in order to speed up complaints with the consent decree is to hire more people. He also talked about uh, promoting more supervisors, is it as simple as that? Um, of course, it's, it's not just promoting more supervisors. And yes, you need to promote more supervisors, but it's promoting the right people, right? Um, and also, and, and yes, it's more than, as Chip said, just checking the boxes, but it means a genuine commitment. I mean, what we've also talked about, what you talked about, them is not just police morale, but community trust in the department, particularly right. by people most impacted, all-time low. And trust isn't given. It's earned. People will not and shouldn't blindly trust police just because they're the police. And, and Professor, so, tell us why yeah. that's important. Why is it important to build more trust between officers and community members? Um, it's, it's, it's important because police can't be effective in addressing crime, solving crime, unless they have earned that trust. Um, people aren't going to talk with them. People aren't going to trust them with their stories. People won't step forward as witnesses. One of the most important things, and this is something that Charlie Beck recognized, that police can do to address public safety is actually to solve violent crime. It's one of the things that also um, Mayor Johnson has prioritized in saying we are going to beef up 
the detective division. But detectives can't be effective unless people on the ground actually trust them. Yeah. And you trust them by being honest, and that, and that so, so matters. And you, trust, you earn trust by being accountable to people. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had this consent decree in place for four years now. Change, as we've said, it's been arguably slow for a variety of reasons. So, I mean, leave us with this. Can a new top cop at the helm make a big difference here? Or is the issue of reform bigger than just one man? Leadership matters. And the super, who the superintendent is really does matter. And yes, it's bigger than one man, but it, it starts with the leader. And we can't forget, even with you know the mayor's election over Dallas, the people of Chicago spoke and demanded a new approach to policing. Public safety officers got to understand they work for the people, and guess what? The person who leads those public safety officers sets the tone, sets those goals, and that means he has the power to do the opposite of what David Brown did, like get rid of those strategies of stopping and pulling over black and brown people and pretext in mass, the cowboy-style policing, mm-hmm. racial profiling. And he has the power to do that. And so I think there's reason for hope if you believe, as the people of Chicago who voted for this change do, to actually put someone in charge with marching orders from the top to implement this long overdue change and to get rid of the folks who aren't with the program. We'll leave it there. Professor Craig Futterman is with the Presser of Law and founder of the Civil Rights and Police Accountability Project of the Mandel Legal Aid Clinic. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sasha. This episode of Reset was produced by Nadia Hernandez. It was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Linnea Dominic. Get the big news in your inbox every morning by subscribing to the Reset newsletter. Just go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.